Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 7, titled, In Which We Meet Mr. Jones. I, I don't know why, but I'm very amused by the fact that the <laughs> the title of the episode is literally the central plot point of the episode. Like, just a description of the biggest thing that happens in the episode. <laughs> Honestly, shows should do that more often and make it a lot more easy. It, it make it a lot simpler to remember what happens in what episode. Uh, Instead of just the random titles that tell you nothing. Like, like Person of Interest's episodes would be like, uh, in which Carter dies, in which Samaritan comes online. Uh, Frickin' Mr. Robot would be, in which we find out Mr. Robot is not real. (laughs) And so on and so forth. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I, I like it a lot. Uh, in all seriousness, though, this episode is fantastic. This is an amazing, amazing episode uh, that does a lot to set up certain pillars of fringe mythology. Like it, It's very, very significant in the mythos of this show. Uh, but this episode begins... A pretty high-ranking FBI agent and a friend of Royals uh, contracts this weird-ass parasite that, like, works its way into his chest and wraps around his heart. And every time they try to remove it, it just squeezes his heart more. uh, And it brings him closer to death. And we have no idea what the hell it is. We just know that it's real weird. And it comes as the dude's about to make a pretty significant breakthrough on a case he's working. So, basically, we have to find out, A, what the hell this thing is. B, who the hell put it there. And then C, we have to get it out of him and save his life. Obviously. So, we're investigating this parasite, doing a whole DNA analysis... And because Walter sort of comes to the conclusion that it's human design, he looks for patterns, little signatures from the creator. And one line comes up over and over and over and over again. Astrid, through her cryptography knowledge, is able to figure out that it's a code, uh... And I can't remember what the exact code was. Uh, I can't remember the exact nature of the code. But basically, there's a bunch of possible translations of it. And one of them is ZFT. A name that popped up repeatedly in the reports of John Scott. Whose pattern research 
we got our hands on a couple episodes ago. And turns out ZFT is something that Broyles was already aware of, and so was this agent, Agent Loeb, and they were already putting a significant amount of time into investigating. They were already putting a pretty sizable amount of time into investigating. Basically, ZFT is one of a bunch of cells that have popped up relating to the pattern that essentially are dealing in scientific research. They are basically just these underground groups that are going nuts on the scientific research front Uh, trying to create all this stuff unregulated, unchecked, and are just doing whatever the hell they feel like to make these breakthroughs. And a significant member of ZFT, David Robert Jones, just so happens to be a prisoner in Germany. And Loeb just so happened to be investigating... Pretty damn close to what he was up to. And so this could very easily be some form of retribution. This could very easily be some form of wanting to silence Loeb. So Dunham now goes all the way to Germany... Uh, hits up a contact of hers who appears to be a former love interest. And we have a lot of awkwardness between the two of them of exploring their past. That is very, very well done. And we basically see her worming her way in to see David Robert Jones. David Robert Jones agrees to see her. The warden of the prison agrees to let her in. And the warden's like, okay, listen. This is prison policy. You only have 14 minutes to talk to him tomorrow morning. And if we will only, he will only allow you to speak to him. He will only allow you to ask your questions. If he can talk to this guy, Joseph Smith. Now, as this is happening, as these conditions are being laid out, uh, Charlie Francis looks into this piece of paper that Loeb's wife gave to Dunham earlier that just contains, like, a whole bunch of numbers. And after researching it, turns out each number corresponds to a case file. And the agent working it. And it all corresponds with the Boston field office. In other words, there may just be another traitor. 
aside from John Scott, because it would require more clearance than John Scott had in the FBI with knowledge of the pattern and with, and who's reporting directly to ZFT and there's a number on the bottom a phone number directly contacting someone outside the FBI Joseph Smith also Broyles puts two and two together Joseph Smith was someone that he was being briefed on by Loeb as he collapsed. So now Broyles is on the warpath to get Joseph Smith, not knowing that Dunham very much needs him alive to answer this question. Very much needs him alive in order to talk to David Robert Jones. So we get this race against time, Peter trying to go all the way across the city... To get to Broyles to tell him to, hey, we need him alive, we need him alive, we need him alive. He arrives just in time to watch Joseph Smith get shot in the head. And so it's looking like we're definitely not going to see David Robert Jones. We're definitely not going to see David Robert Jones. We're definitely not going to see David Robert Jones. And then Walter Bishop's like, you know, still got his head. I could, I could extract information from him. There's a way. And then we're like, okay, uh, here's his body. We can still make this work. We can still make this work without David Robert Jones ever knowing that Joseph Smith was dead. And David Robert Jones, the meet with him is still on. So... The body of Joseph Smith goes back to the lab, and turns out uh, getting shot in the head causes a significant amount of brain damage, so this is not as cut and dry as Walter first thought. So, we set up this whole procedure basically having this guy in a tub of ice and stimulating the electrical impulses in his brain... And transmitting them to a device on Peter's head so that Peter can see and say what this dude's thinking. See and say what this dude is answering to a specific question. So, we're setting this up, we're setting this up, we're setting this up. And then the meat happens. And we get this... So tense, so brilliantly crafted, absolutely fantastic sequence. Where Olivia's talking to David Robert Jones, played brilliantly by Jared Harris. Oh my god, Jared Harris kills it in this role. He is so, like, menacing, so terrifying... Every word that comes out of his mouth, you feel like you gotta take a shower, like he's very scummy, uh, while also having this refinement at the same time. Like, you fully, you're creeped out by this dude, and also very much understand that he's like five steps ahead of you. Like, you, 
you are creeped out by him and feel like he's guttural garbage, while at the same time being very much aware this is a man who's five steps ahead of you, who knows everything that's going on better than you do, who has a better handle on everything than you do, whose level you are simply not on. Like, he's... Basically, he's a chess player and white trash at the same time. Strangely enough. And he's British, so that just makes him more terrifying for some reason. Brits are scary. (laughs) No, there is no group of people on the planet who are scarier than British people. There's a reason why British people are all the villains. (laughs) And that's because Brits are terrifying. Apologies to my British friends. Uh, so, So we get this meeting... Uh, with the two of them playing off of each other, while Walter and Peter and Astrid are desperately trying to get the answers. Initially, Peter can't get it. Initially, Peter can't see what he's thinking. And Walter's like, oh, you're thinking too much. You're thinking too much. You're thinking too much. Uh, You need a sedative just to calm your higher brain functions so you can be a blank receptacle. And so... Like, we give him this sedative, and he's all, like, blissed out. And then we do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. Uh, We keep shocking the body, shocking Peter, doesn't work. Shock body, shock Peter, doesn't work. Shock body, shock Peter, doesn't work. With Dunham stalling David Robert Jones. As this timer is running out, 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 running out. And then eventually Peter sees something and just draws a bunch of horizontal lines. Just a bunch of lines on a piece of paper and it looks like nonsense. And basically what Walter surmises from this is that like, wait a minute. So there's a part of the brain... That specifically is geared to, like, perceive horizontal lines. That part of the brain might not be functioning. So we have to... We have to fill in the blanks, essentially. We have to draw in the horizontal lines. And when we draw in the horizontal lines, like, Peter sort of is able to sort of guess it's Little Hill. And so Dunham, as she's being dragged out by the guards who are like, your 14 minutes are up, your 14 minutes are up, you're gone. She's just like, Little Hill, Little Hill. And then we get the cure from David Robert Jones. We get the cure from this man. And we are able to kill the parasite and get it out of him. So Loeb's good. Everything's great. It's all amazing, except we have 50 bajillion questions that are now unanswered. We have 50 bajillion questions that are now totally not in any way answered. And then we get this ending. Where Loeb's in the hospital, recovering, and his wife's there. 
and then the second Olivia and Peter and Broyles and all the rest leave, Loeb's just like, did he ask the question? Did it work? Did we? Did he ask the question, and did we get the answer? And the wife's like, little hill. It's so... All of this, Loeb was the other traitor, and all of this was like a carefully crafted scheme to get David Robert Jones and Olivia together so that, like, this where does the gentleman live question... I don't think I mentioned that the question is where does the gentleman live. I think I skipped past that entirely. The question was where does the gentleman live, and the answer was Little Hill. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I got so wrapped up in talking about how terrifying and brilliant David Robert Jones is, I forgot to say what he actually said. (laughs) This is how hypnotic the Brits, the Brits are so hypnotic. They're derailing my discussion of Fringe. (laughs) This is, this is the... (laughs) This is the danger of the Brits. This is the cunning of the Brits. <laughs> they'll they'll lull you. They'll lull you with their dosset tones, their beautiful silky voices. And then just right right when they got you in, right when they've hypnotized you, that's when the Brits strike. <laughs> Again, apologies to my British friends. <laughs> But yeah, Loeb was the guy. Loeb was the traitor. And this was all one giant conspiracy to get the answer to this question. This was one giant plan to get the answer to this question. Operating on a level we know not of. Like, it's, it's incredible. It's a great twist. And once you sort of recontextualize everything... You kinda <laughs> You kinda see everything in a totally different light and you're like, oh, that's what they're doing. This is they they plan that, they plan that, they plan that. This is exactly what they were doing. Oh, this is what they were doing with that. This is what that leads. Oh, there's that red herring. Like just once you recontextualize this entire episode in the vein of Loeb's a bad guy who infected himself with a deadly parasite. In order to cause this sense of urgency to get to David Robert Jones and have him ask the question and get the answer. Like, just... Ah, it's so good. It's so, so utterly good. I love that twist. It's so amazing. We're gonna talk more about David Robert Jones in the future. We're gonna revisit ZFT. This is a big plot line that we just kicked off. And, uh... Oh boy! Get, Get ready for some shit. Some shit's gonna go down over the rest of the season. And it's gonna be pretty great. It's gonna be pretty freaking awesome. Anyway, uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a push of a button. On the Anchor app, I'll play those on the show from time to time, if you feel so inclined, to send those in. Talk about your stories of how uh, the Brits have... <laughs> the Brits have corrupted you. <laughs> oh my 
my god, why am I drawing this line in the sand against the Brits? <laughs> <laughs> Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark, pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to uh, the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Uh, should say, September's Television Archive will happen a little bit later in the month than usual, probably more towards the end than the beginning, just because of, like, the thing I want to talk about doesn't come come out. Uh, at least on the platform I want it to, on the platform I need it to, until September 10th, and then I got a bunch of obligations around that, so I'll try to get this month's television archive to you as soon as possible, but no promises that it won't be, like, literally the last day of the month. (laughs) (sighs) Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 8. Talk to you then.